Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall. And we are joined today by Colorado Mesa University Department Head and Professor of Teacher Education, Blake Bickham. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So you are a Houston, Texas native, and you have been kind of all over from Florida to Uzbekistan to Colorado and everywhere in between. Uh, let's dive in and, and talk about why English. That's what you study. That's what you majored in as a an undergrad um, at Texas A and M, and you have evolved from there. So let's start with let's start with that. Okay, sure. Uh, I went to college initially thinking I would be a lawyer, and I was studying political science and. I decided after my sophomore year, I had the opportunity to do an internship in Washington, D.C., and I had a really great time and enjoyed that experience, but uh, decided that political science probably wasn't the path I wanted to continue on, and I'd really been enjoying my English classes and philosophy classes, and so I, uh, I switched my major and was just really interested in, you know, the stories, uh, Stories have always been really important and uh, to me and and just understanding people and relationships through those stories. And that's what attracted me to it. And you taught um, grades 9th through 12th in Florida. What was it like um, teaching those first few years and, and what led you there? So when I finished my master's in English, I did not have a teaching license, and so I actually did not go through a program like the one we have here at CMU. I pursued a, a job with a private school, and so I got a job with a private school, and that's where the job was. I, I wanted to experience someplace new, and I had no desire necessarily to be in Miami, Florida, but that's where the job was, and it was a great experience, and so that's what that's what got me there. And then while I was teaching there, they encouraged me to get a teaching license. So I did that while I was teaching there. And those first couple of years were pretty tough. I, I think not having a traditional experience like we have here at CMU, uh, you know, I was really thrown into it and was really learning on the fly. Uh, I hadn't, I didn't have any real education classes, and so uh, it was, it was challenging. I thought we were going to have these great conversations about literature, and I realized pretty quickly it was much more about connecting with the students, and you know what else. I started, you know, trying to think about what else was I teaching them besides just English and literature. And so I'd love to hear that kind of your evolution from, you know, thinking you wanted to be a lawyer to then moving into the English language, teaching, and then eventually you and your wife joined the Peace Corps and taught over in um, Uzbekistan. Can you tell us about that experience and how that really maybe shifted, I think, your focus into more of that teacher education aspect of teaching? Sure, yeah. So... We enjoyed our time in Miami and enjoyed, uh, we were both uh, high school English teachers, and we just wanted to have a different experience. We had always wanted to have an overseas experience, and I also liked the challenge of learning another language, and so I knew if I was forced to live somewhere where they didn't speak English, I would have to learn the language, and and so that's what got us into the Peace Corps. It was a two-year commitment. It was uh, a form of service, you know, serving our country. It felt 
safe in a certain way just because we were with the government and we knew that they were going to provide us with resources and support. So that's what got us over there. And I was teaching uh, English actually at the college level there. And because my wife and I had both been teachers already, we had the opportunity to help train other Peace Corps volunteers. Most of them were straight out of college and had never been in a classroom. So we got to help with training them, uh, sharing our experiences as teachers and helping them prepare for being in the classroom. And then also my students at the university where I taught were English majors and they were thrown into local classrooms without any support or guidance. And so I would go in and observe them and give them feedback on their teaching and so that really gave me a taste of teacher education. And when we returned to the States in 2001, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And it took me a couple of years to figure out that that experience is how I wanted to continue my career in education. So I went back to graduate school in 2003. Can we talk about your time abroad and um, maybe the culture there, the lifestyle and, and how two years, you know, abroad really maybe changed your um, outlook on, on the education system and maybe how um, just an inside look into how the world is, you know, is different depending on where you are and, and, and what classroom you're in. Yeah, I think it's such a big experience. It's hard to, it, it really is, you know, that, it, it, it obviously is life-changing. It changes your perspective on everything. I always tell people I learn much more about the United States and our culture, our American culture, by being over there because you're thrown... That, that, that's kind of what that culture shock is. You sort of realize how you've been conditioned and what your expectations are. And, and so I would say on the, on the education side of things, I was teaching English as a language, no longer really literature. I think I did get a chance to teach literature once, but for the most part, I was teaching English as a language, and so that was very different. It wasn't challenging in quite the same way. And then just being over there, their their education system is, it was still very Soviet. You know, they, they were a former Soviet Union, and it was very strict. It wasn't very creative or dynamic. And so that's what I was trying to inject into the classroom. And I think it helped me just personally connect with students differently to kind of be a little bit more performative in my teaching. And uh, like I said, I also got this opportunity to talk to them about teaching, which, and, and to model for them. Uh, you know, how uh, other ways they could teach English besides just correcting people's grammar and being very strict with translation and so on. I mean, you talked about, you know, relationships in the classroom and not just teaching the subject per se. How did that work in Uzbekistan? I mean, were you really building those relationships and, and how did that work with the language being your, your, you know, your second language and you learning it later in life? Well, it's funny because part of my, our mission, I guess, or what they wanted, you know, from a Peace Corps volunteer who was teaching English was us to just speak English. So I really didn't speak Uzbek to my students 
uh, hardly ever. In fact, it was a funny story. I think in my second year, they said something to each other in Uzbek, and I responded to them because I understood what they were saying, and they were in shock because they just hadn't thought about the fact that I was learning Uzbek that whole time, and so I understood them. And so, you know, that... that uh, that relationship building was really, again, it was, it was in the classroom, but then we also had stuff like a conversation club, or we would host like a movie day or something like that and show, you know, like an, an American movie and, and stuff like that. So just opportunities, they mostly wanted opportunities to speak to an American, to speak to a native speaker. And so that's kind of what the foundation of those relationships was. So after your time overseas, you came back and you said you were trying to kind of figure out what you wanted to do, wanted to do next and ended up pursuing your doctorate. And I found that your, I would say, focus of your dissertation was really interesting. And I believe you said earlier it's about the moral aspects of teaching. And so I was hoping we could just explore that a little bit more because I know from my own personal experiences as a student, whether at elementary, middle, high school, or the university level, I mean, you have all different kinds of teachers and all of them, or most of them are content experts, but then it's the teachers I remember are the ones that I feel like went above and beyond and knew me as an individual and as a person and really shaped whether it was the curriculum, the assignments, to make sure that I was getting the most out of the class. And that's a soft skill that's hard to teach. So could we explore just a little bit more of that, the moral aspect of teaching, and maybe how that separates some teachers from others? Yeah, absolutely. I fundamentally, I say, you know, I got into teaching because of English. I was really interested in my content. And when they do surveys of teachers, they do find a lot of secondary teachers enter the profession because they're interested in their subject matter. And not necessarily... It's not necessarily about working with students. I would say a lot of our students at CMU say, well, that's not true. I really do want to work with students, and that is a connection. But but statistically, that is uh, something that comes out of these surveys. And I was definitely part of that statistic. I, I went in thinking, hey, this is going to be great. It's all about English, and it's all about the content. And I realized really quickly that it wasn't it wasn't sustainable. You know, So I really had to shift my focus from... I'm not teaching English, I'm teaching students. And that's a bit of a cliche in education, but it is a legitimate shift that I experienced in my philosophy. And so when I got into my doctoral program and started thinking about what I, my focus was on teacher education generally and how to teach teachers about being teachers, not being English teachers, right? Just being teachers. And so I, that's that was the biggest Part of my, uh, you know, Kelsey was asking about my first couple of years. That was my biggest struggle the first couple of years. Hey, I didn't, I didn't like high school the first time. What am I doing here? Why am I here again? And asking myself these questions. And a lot of it came down to what else am I teaching them? And being a role model is, is the kind of thing that came up, you know, over and over again. Whether even if it's just modeling how to be respectful, how to respond to people, how to communicate well. All of those things were just things that really resonated with me and, and came out when I started looking into that as a doctoral student. Uh, just, just the notion that our goal is to have a positive impact. And so 
uh, not moralistic, but but that there's moral aspects to the work. We're trying to have a positive impact on people's lives. And just because of that, it's a moral endeavor. And do you feel like you see in our CMU students, is that more of an intrinsic motivation that they come to with the program? Or is that something that we're teaching students once they enter into the program? I'm not sure we can generalize it to all the students, and it's hard to know exactly what's in every student's uh, hearts and minds, obviously. But uh, I would probably say it's a it's a mixed it's a mixed bag. But I feel like a lot of our students are they're they're thinking about students. Uh, they understand that uh, building relationships and connecting with students is really important that they can't just go in and talk at students about subjects. They have to connect with them. And so I'd say for the most part, our students do get that, and we do. uh, But to your point, we also teach it. We talk about it in all of our classes about how you do that, how you make those connections, how you engage and try to make content relevant to students. And and so it comes up uh, over and over, and some— explicitly and implicitly it comes up, I think, over and over again. To expand on Caitlin's question earlier, how how do you teach empathy and can you? Because I feel like that is such an important piece of being a teacher. You know, there are so many circumstances and, and challenges and obstacles that students face at home or outside the classroom and, and they do follow them into the classroom. It's not something you can necessarily separate. So how how do you teach empathy and and can you? Well, I don't know that that's the que- I think that's probably an unanswerable question, right? Is like, can you actually teach this? I know we try, obviously, and and that takes us back to stories, right? I think that's 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 what has always uh, been powerful uh, for me, and I think uh, when you study stories and literature and so on that I think that's how we uh, try to get other perspectives. If we can't always get those firsthand experiences, we can sometimes get them through stories. And so I think telling my own stories, uh, sharing uh, stories, you know, when we're talking about, you know, this, the students that teachers encounter in the classroom have of, of, variety of experiences, very different experiences than probably the teacher. And so the teacher has to go in with an understanding of how those experiences are different and how they may need to engage and interact with those students differently depending on what their backgrounds are and what their, what's, what's sort of quote-unquote normal for them. And so it's just mostly teaching our our teacher candidates to be open, uh, to seek understanding and to ask questions and to actually listen to their students. And uh, I like to say, you know, uh, talking isn't teaching, listening is teaching. And I think that's a big, a big part of what we want them to do. I love that you said that because I think that's a really big, important piece. You know, that student teaching is that they're actually going into the classroom, you know, here in Western Colorado into, and there's such great teachers here, you know, of all different uh, age groups and, and disciplines. And they're going in there and they're actually seeing how great teachers 
teach and they're they're really getting that sense of okay i'm i'm seeing this in real life i'm being um i'm seeing it modeled here in front of me and do you think that's an, a, such an important piece to being part of the curriculum going into the classroom and seeing how other teachers handle these really challenging tough situations absolutely one of the things that's really attractive to me about learning to be a teacher in colorado is that the state requires that programs like ours arrange for at least 800 field hours for our candidates. And so all of our candidates are, are getting at least 800 hours in the field over the course of their time at CMU. And a lot of that is you know, heavily in their junior and senior year. And that is invaluable. You know, all, Everything that we do with our candidates in the classroom. We're hoping that they take that with them. We hope that those are things that are, that they're able to reflect upon and apply and that we are giving them some foundational things. And then of course, as you know, once they get into the classroom, they all have very different experiences and they have to actually try to apply things or see things in real life and, and how it plays out. And and again, going back to what I said earlier, I think what we do in a traditional program like this is provide that support, that safety net. Uh, we can't do it without local teachers stepping up and saying, hey, I want to have a teacher, a student teacher in my classroom. And so those relationships that we have with school districts on the Western Slope and, and uh, even on, on the Front Range, those relationships are essential. We can't do it without them. And and it's it's excellent for our students. It's it's what gives them as realistic a picture as possible. I love hearing about so much about the relationship piece that it's not only the relationship our faculty members have with our students, the relationships we have with other school districts. Um, I think it just really exemplifies the types of programs and people that we have at CMU. That relationships are always at the forefront of what we do. So I love getting to hear that. Um. One thing I feel like we constantly hear on a national level is about teacher shortages. And I think especially post-pandemic, I know I've got um, family members that are teachers and it was a really hard time, but, you know, they are, I would say, some of the more passionate people I know, and they love their students and they love what they do. So even though you're constantly hearing about this shortage, you, you know that the people in the field and entering the field are doing it almost because of a higher calling. But I was just curious, how do we combat that national narrative around that it's hard to be a teacher and why somebody would want to enter the field? Yeah, I think the first thing I'll say is that we've been really fortunate, actually, at CMU because we've been able to stay pretty flat, pretty steady. I think other programs like ours have lost numbers uh, and have really... Uh, dropped, but we we pretty consistently are producing between seventy and a hundred teachers every year, and we've been very consistent with that and haven't dropped below that. Obviously, we'd love to have more than that, and uh, are always uh, excited to have uh, people who want to be teachers join our program. But we've been very fortunate in that way. And as far as how we combat that, I think it just goes back to, again, trying to give them a realistic picture of the job, that it is challenging, it is tough because of a lot of things we've already talked about today with just 
very different students with different backgrounds and different abilities and how to teach all of those students. So giving them as realistic a picture as possible. And then, as you said, trying to validate our candidates who want to do this and let them know that it is hard, but it's worth it. It's valuable. You're making an impact. You're, you're doing something positive, even if you don't always see it, even if we don't get that immediate gratification of, wow, I had this really positive impact. You don't always see it. And sometimes you don't know about it till years down the line. And so just validating that for our students and letting them know that it is hard, but it is worth it. I misspoke earlier when I was introducing you. Um, I should have called you Dr. Blake Bickham. You received your PhD from the University of Houston, and you've been at CMU since 2007. What has made you stay? You know, what has made you come in and say, okay, yep, I'm here for the long haul. and I'm going to produce about 100 teachers every single year. And how has the program evolved over time? And what is it like to be a, the department head of the program now? Well, the things that attracted me here initially are still here. I mentioned the relationship, and we've been, you know, really championing that. So the, the relationship with school districts here is very strong. That's not true uh, everywhere. Uh, coming from Houston, a really big city, a, a big university with a lot of different school districts, and the university uh doesn't necessarily have a connection with all of those school districts and to come here and to see that those relationships were really strong was a really was very attractive uh, like I said I think some of the things that the state requires of teachers I thought was really valuable so the 800 field hours uh, there's a portfolio that they have to complete during student teaching felt like a much more authentic assessment of their field experience than uh, a standardized, you know, multiple choice test, which is more common in other states. Um, our candidates also take a a content test, but but as far as for their teaching, that portfolio I think is really valuable. So those are some things that attracted me here and have kept me here. And I would say that our program has just evolved by having consistency with a number of professors that have been here for a while. Uh, all of our professors have experience in the classroom. So when we hire people to teach for us, they have that classroom experience. It's not just theoretical. They've been in the classroom and, and worked with students. And I would say, obviously, uh, on a personal side, you know, the, the Western Slope is a great place to live and it's been a great place to raise our our two sons and and have really enjoyed uh, watching CMU and be a part of CMU growing. When we when we got here in two thousand seven, there were six thousand students enrolled, and we're close to ten now. So just seeing the campus change and the student body change, uh, and then again, just the students here are great. They when they come into our program, they want to be teachers. It's not just like a plan B or something like that. They're really, they're really in our program because they want to be teachers, and that's also uh, sustaining. 
Well, Dr. Bickham, thank you so much for being here today. We've learned a lot about the program, you personally, and uh, thank you so much for what you do. The community is better because of it. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you for listening to the See Me Now podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.